that's the weird thing. It's like a broken family. It's not about deciding who's wrong and right anymore. It's about crafting where we want to go. Because I think the ace move that Nelson Mandela created was that moment. Mm. And it's a fleeting moment. Mm. This is the Freedom After podcast by the Nelson Mandela Foundation. My name is Nawo Mokhopa, and you're listening to Siabongam Tembu. At the launch of Indaba Is, um, here at the Forge, you sat with Tandinduli and you said a couple of words that have stuck with me ever since. You said, we're not the first blacks. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could unpack that for us. Well, like, I, I try to teach my daughter that every morning. So my daughter was asking me, she loves to ask, Daddy, who invented? And I'm like, go, if I don't know, let's go Google it, because Daddy doesn't know. Because he also needs to know that the ageist idea that daddy knows everything doesn't exist. Oh, that's so brilliant. You know, so it's daddy doesn't know, let's both go look. We both go look and she finds out. And in her finding out, she's found out more black people have invented things that she was thinking about than anyone else. So I didn't realize that until I had the internet later in life. So exposing that to her and she her, she, her whole thing is she knows she comes from greatness. She doesn't only repeat it as an idiom, which I had to without material. She has the material as proof. Mm. And that's the thing they took away from us with this idea of the first black. You know? Oh, shit. Yeah. I see what you're it saying. was further aspiration again. You know? They were just selling us more aspiration. More, why do we want to be the first black? That means you have to be the only black. Mm. You know? Mm. And then I, on the flip side of that, I'm backstage at the Royal Albert Hall with Eska, and Eska's asking, why did they ask us British blacks to come sing with you? Aren't there any blacks in South Africa who can do this better than we can? Wow. And I'm like, we have a long conversation where I'm like, I totally agree with you, you know? But, and she was like, so why did you take this gig? I'm like, it's because of my second name. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, my name is Siabong Amshelim Tempo. Mkheli means I'm the one who goes before the tribe to go survey whether it is safe to live. Yeah. I come back and report to the leader whether the tribe will go there or not. Sure. So sometimes I have to go alone. I don't enjoy it, but sometimes I have to because my parents in there naming me saw what I'm going to be and what I need to be in this time, you know? And here's the weird thing. They named me that because they know Mandela's going to be released. Wow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not saying I'm clearly just only because of me. It's I'm tied somehow. <laughs> and then I find out from my mom's side, I'm tied by clan name. Mm. You know? So there's these things that like most people think oh that's so romantic and you're like no the synchronicity of it is scientific it's not romantic mm. i'm curious more about your childhood um maybe i want to ask you to think about a time when you felt most free and what did that look like for you how old were you and where were you hmm. 
And even if you weren't necessarily looking back as free as you thought you were, but at the time, this felt like absolute freedom. How, how long is childhood? Because I'm thinking of being a kid. Yeah, I'm not thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you want to cut it. I want like my reds. Life yeah. was free. Yes. Yeah. yeah well, I've been a. I I've been head boy material. <laughs> For primary school, high school, and got let down by the fact that my mom didn't have time to be in the PTA in life. You know. Mm -hmm. So I find myself in this weird, disgruntled leadership space. And then I went to varsity. And also then, I was in Coca-Cola Pop Stars in my matric year. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> in the first one. The first initial one, uh, actually the, the episode that I actually make it in through is the one where Fat Joe spoofs everybody and is part of the queue. And me and my sister were both there. Um, so I think Pop Stars did this thing to my mind because what I did at Pop Stars was and when I got to the last 40, I locked myself in the toilet. Mm. And I didn't show up for full day's auditions. So I got thrown out. Sure. Yeah. But before I got thrown out, something Kinsani said to me, she was like, I'll see you on the stage. I was like, yeah, because I, I went there because I wanted the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I carry on doing it because I wanted the car. <laughs> that Peugeot 206. Remember that Peugeot yeah, 206? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Like, oh, you know, imagine me, 18, driving a Peugeot 206. Look uh, at me. Around to me, so what you know. <laughs> I went there because of that. And they kicked out. There was a, an amazing colored female singer who actually got into the band in the second season. Um, myself and... Um, forget Lerato, the, the designer who actually was working at Stone Cherry at the time was also sure. in. We both were so heartbroken and started having these conversations about she was a mother of one and really talented. Mm. And we were privileged as hell. And she hadn't even started trying to be there and she had given mm. her everything. Yeah. And got kicked out actually because she was strong. You know, if you know the politics of, mm. of, of reality TV. And viewership. And yeah, and I was like, not even sure. I'm 18. I'm just like happy to be here <laughs> eating buffets. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> you know? When they kicked her out, I felt like, nah, I don't want to do this. Mm. Like, it felt wrong to win. Mm. So I locked myself up. I only come out for food. Because they'd camera you everywhere except the toilet. So I spent the day sure. in the toilet. Mm. Came out. Knew I was going to get kicked out, got kicked out. Got into the tour van, and that was like my life-changing thing. I was driving around in one of those American-sized tour vans alone, which is apparently the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and they dropped me off at the SABC, and my mom was waiting for me. And my mom was like, you're my star. You're my pop star forever. And like, I, I held that whole moment, because my mom's carried me, like, you don't believe in this idea of what I do. And... So, like, that whole thing changed my whole head boy notion of being. Mm. And then I went to Rhodes on a Nesfas Steve Biko scholarship, actually. Hey, yeah, I wrote, I wrote the Steve mm. Biko essay in matric mm. for the Rhodes Journal Department, and I got a scholarship based on that interaction. Mm. I went there, and my decision to choose Vits, I mean, Rhodes over Vits, because I was also wanting to do engineering at Vits. Yeah was one was outside of Johannesburg, but two, when I went for that week, they had hunter's dry courts. 
That shows you the kind of rodent I became. <laughs> so you say rodent? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, I was a rodent. Oh no, no. When my, my, my mom dropped me off, we went to the spur, we ate some ribs. When she left, <laughs> I was like, so there's no one here. <laughs> Everyone's like 2,000 kilometers away on the phone. Yeah. I'm going to do what I like. <laughs> and I, I van wilded out. Yeah. Like, there's people who've like, who saw me at Rhodes who were like, wow, you're still alive. Hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I van walled it out, but it was, it was a great thing because, like, yo, it grounded me so much in, like, mm -hmm. who and what I want to be. So I didn't sing. I didn't sing a rose until my third year of varsity. Really? Yeah, I was a poet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd never find me doing that again. <laughs> No, not, nothing, nothing to poets, you know? <laughs> no, poets <laughs> not are fine. Just, not just respect to poets. You know, Tom yeah. Savili, no. they're doing no, his no, thing. No, they're doing their thing, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> slamming things, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. you know? But, like, uh, I, I was just like, okay, cool. I was trying to still find, because it's been my calling, this thing. So, yeah. by third year, when we had formed that band there with a cutting board, mm -hmm. I was, like, having fun and laughing at the thing, and then fourth year, get back, got back into music. Mm. And all all these years I'm counting, that was a three-year degree I was supposed to be doing. Damn. Damn, that was on my fourth year. And then I actually was short, so Rhodes has this weird thing where they'd always try to keep you there. So I was short one credit and needing to go back for one credit. And because I'm an SFS kid, that's not going to happen. I did it via UNISA. My final exam was at my pre-primary school. Wow. In Benoni. With the only credit I can do being pre-colonial South African history. Wow. Yeah. So the very first same place I went to nursery school at was the last place I finished my degree at. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah, and, and I could feel my dad and all of that because my dad was the one who used to take me to school being like, mm. stop messing around now. You know, when you're Bikoist, it's it's been the, the hard thing of the, the, the contrasting Mandela to Biko in mm. relation and never being able to see the line. And on the drive here, it was the first time I was like, it, it's the, the difficulty with Ntate uh, Mandela is that he was spewing Bikoism with his hands tied behind his back. Hmm. So they've never done that link. And on the drive here, I'm driving into people's houses by mistake and to the wrong place. <laughs> that was what came in. That was like the conversation that the, the beings were having with me about this idea. Because I've, I've been having a hard, dear, I, uh, hard time with this idea of Mandela as the sellout. Mm. Mm. It's like Patrice Mutepe as the non-caring sellout black as well. Mm. You know, so there, there just seems to be no place that a black man can occupy right without selling out in one way or another and so then it diminishes everything that person's done to the selling out and nothing else and if you look at the Biko story him being a womanizer and an alcoholic has become the story that's supposed to 
overcome the rest of who Biko was. And it's not to say that I agree that he was those two things, but it's to say the propagated idea is to diminish anything else that he had said and done. The real question, and I know I'm kind of littering the floor, mm. you know, things to pick up on here, is um, the brother moves on has a very special place with men as well, but it's and it's able to be enjoyed and liked and praised in a culture that aesthetically often points to patriarchy, mm. you know, um, and it's fascinating watching you move through those spaces querying them and you know what I mean mm. and I'm wondering about that navigation so it, it's it's a it's an interesting one I think it like it starts with the drama department I went to okay so I was at Rhodes you know or the university currently known as Rhodes University <laughs> <laughs> we hope they change the name <laughs> um, or what's in a name these days um, but like oh I was the minority in what was a queer drama department. Huh. Yeah. There were like two straight black men yeah. in the whole situation. So I think that sense of orientation, and I, 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 I hate the whole idea of sexuality doesn't exist, but we all experience our sexualities mm. in the way that makes us feel comfortable to tell the truth. Mm. So... I was in a department where there were misogynistic homosexual men. There were, mm. <laughs> there was a range. The, mm. the, the strat was there. There were lecturers who were sleeping with young boys, lecturers who weren't, and who were there to teach. And that was the most interesting part of it because then I came out of that very comfortable with my sense of my queerness. Mm. Mm. So we used to have this um, organization called Outroads. Okay. And they used to have... Um, so they do cross-dressing parties. Okay. And we okay. were the band that was, like, we played all, every one, like, for three years, every time I was there, we were the band that was playing them. And even in my crazy, like, wild sexual exploits of, like, Rhodes University, mm. I, I, was, I was the guy with the lesbian girls who were kicking me out mm. in the morning <laughs> because they're not straight. <laughs> <laughs> And their real girlfriends are coming. <laughs> so, so like this whole idea of this like heterosexual normative space mm. has not been there for me. My mom, my mom, the first gay man I knew, I think I met when I was like three, four years old, mm. Uputsupa. Sure. Yeah, Uputsupa was flamboyant out there and also really dark. So I've also had mm. that, also that relation to like darkness and so the things that are, are supposed to be normative to me have not even been flipped around, but like I've had to like introspect a lot about them, mm -hmm. even in this idea of being a heterosexual male. But I want to read some of your lyrics because um, I think they, they point to such a powerful politic. So in You Think You Know Me, you said, well, your multicolored flag asks, listen, I got these lyrics. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they're probably right. There's like a, a problem like, mm. well, your multicolored flag asks, who come, why, stage four load shedding, ESCOM shedding the load of townships, 
still paying for black hardship, electronic reparations, at least it's not the hardship of being taken on the ship to America, while you place Enoch Sondonga's prayer next, next to, to the stem, a Nazi war cry next to a prayer for God to save Africa. Maybe that's the problem. God never saves Africa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My wife was happy about that. That's the first time I was with my wife. She was like, you're a genius. I was like, oh, wow. I've been waiting for you to say these things. No, for real. I think there's so much that there's, I mean, I, I don't want to unpack it in that way, but notions of blackness and the diaspora, um, Afro-pessimism, kind of, you know, revisionist history, African spirituality, this colonialism and apartheid. I mean, it's loaded, it's dense, and we're grooving to it. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm curious about your politics and like, what do you... How would you describe them? Are, are you a socialist? Are you a Marxist? Are you a black country? Yeah, you know, how would you describe your politics? Well, when I stopped describing my politics was when I was a black consciousness mm. um, philosopher, in essence, in my head. Sure. Um, and it, it, it's the whole, when Steve says, um, black love is the antithesis to white hate. Mm. So like, what happens when those things meet thesis? Hit me hard, because I was angry, and I had to sort that out as a young black male. But like, come like second into third year, that's when the joke started of laughing at mm. that cynic space of trying to define yourself in essence. Um, because it gives, it, it's the whole notion that your positionality really matters. Mm. Mm. You know, and we fight for it because while well, we've been dispossessed for so long that we want to possess that space. But I, I'm, I'm always, it's, the, it's a Tony Morrison comes back in there to be like, racism is just a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you're doing anything so that the racist master knows, mm. then you're stuck in his game. Mm. You know, if you're mm. proudly Zulu because Firwood decided y'all are a tribe. Hmm. What does it mean? You know? You're close and proud because for what decided y'all are a tribe when you're a bunch of people who live under Paolo's kingdom and there's houses and there's, mm. there's rich heritage, you know? It's, and it's not to take away from me, but it's like, that's the thing. If I was to describe myself, I'd have to describe myself in English. Yeah. So already this is like fleeting. English English is about being isolated, being alone, mm. not being together. These words don't bring us closer together. They bring us further apart, you know? So that's that's the weird thing about it. It's just like, I, I laugh. My oldest friend, Tumi Mokhorosi, is one of the people I laugh at a lot yeah. about, <laughs> about his, his politics. And it's a powerful, he's like, he blew my mind away. He mm. like, on tour, he'd say things about blackness that I'd never ever sure. internalized, you know? Because in certain aspects he went deeper, yeah. you know? And that's the thing is we, we find what we want to go deeper and how we want to go deeper in it. Mm. And my whole thing is I just leave doubt. Sure. You know, leave that door ajar because that's, that's where the learning comes from. That's where the evolution comes from. It's not in the knowing, it's in what you don't know, mm -hmm. what you won't know about yourself and what you're afraid to find out when you're alone. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where I kind of like leave it at. I don't try to, which is the difficulty now when I'm going back to do the masters. Sure. <laughs> is now I have to affirm something. Mm. Mm. That's what the academy is about. Can you tell us about something that you were once unfree from, that you are free from now? Guilt. Guilt? Mm. Oh. I, I was one of the worst emotions to carry with myself was guilt. Yeah. And I'm, somehow, I, I'm free of it in understanding it doesn't exist, but it still afflicts in certain ways and limits my freedoms, you know? And yeah. And it comes from a Christian background. I'm like, mm. my grandfather on my maternal side is a bishop of the episto apostolic uh, Ethiopian church. It's very hectic. Yeah. My, <laughs> my grandmother on the paternal side, a grandfather are deacons in the Enchekak. I'm going up going to church. My whole churches. life, yeah, my whole life, I've seen all sides. When I was born again, they were like, oh my God, he's gone to Satan. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and it was to free myself from their idea of yeah. uh, the fears. And it has, like my mom's amazing. My mom's a preacher and an anointed one because she was a teacher at first and she's been a choir master. And, but she's, my conversations with my mom are about like we see spirituality in a, like she's found it difficult to learn my language. Mm. But once we've gotten over that, we notice we speak the same language of what it is to believe. Yeah. And not necessarily in a God, but in godliness. You know? And that yeah. it's not it's neither or neither. And also why would it matter for me, one out of eight billion people? Whether I believed in the Creator, which is my always my go-to with my atheist friends, is like, mm -hmm. who cares? <laughs> who cares what you decided you believe in? Mm -hmm. What would it matter? You're organism of like eight billion that was created by something or wasn't, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so you're right. God doesn't exist. Can I continue saying my prayers <laughs> at three a.m.? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, it also reminds me of his um. <clears throat> This idea that over, you know, the, the lifetime of humanity, we've made so many gods, you know, hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands of gods in different areas, different timelines and otherwise, you know. Mm. And so we agree about all the other ones. But this one, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> we're yeah. not closer than we think we are, you know, in that way. Mm. No, but like when you read, like, that's why the Buddhists come, like, uh, my, my really, like, my emancipating mm. spiritual encounter, the first real one post my like understanding the the Christ process and the Christ consciousness sure. was Buddhism. And I learned that it wasn't a religion. Mm. You know, it was a practice. And that brought back the link back to Christianity. I'm like, yes, this is a practice. It's not a religion. Mm. They lost it somewhere. Oh, wait, look, these saints meet each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the Ganges. Yeah, they're sitting there just talking to each other. <laughs> but now we want to sit. And the most interesting one was the lecturer of mine went, showed us like the Middle East, and he was like, Yep, this small strip of land is where all the great religions come from. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
was just like, so we're going to argue about what's happening here. All right. All right, cool. Nothing else. No way else. Yeah. First car was found back there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've come from there. But this is where God lives. <laughs> <laughs> this is backward. This yeah. is backward. I get that. You know, even being stuck. Another thing is even we're stuck in the constructs of an argument that was already decided the outcome of. Mm-hmm. So we must be careful when we argue. So then the final question then is, what is something that you are still unfree from, that you're working or wish to be unfree from? Financial freedom. Yeah. Financial freedom. Like, mm. and I think, and it's a n- nice conversation we have with Dumi, we're like, it's coming. Yeah. It's not like, a, oh my God, we need it in our lifetime. It's going to happen in my lifetime. Mm. Mm. But I don't want it to happen when I'm too old to be able to like spread it hard. Cause that's that's my whole thing is, even in that process of them who feed you, mm. even in so even in this album, the brother moves on being signed to Shabaka was, mm. Shabaka coming to sign me. Yeah. You know, I'm me going. I'm busy with this collective thing. If you want me, you need to sort out this first, and then we can move on. And now the whole band's on their publishing company, the whole band. <laughs> and all their projects can now blossom yes. in the same space. Yeah, but that's the whole point. You know, that's the whole relation. So even now, the label's like, here's money for publicity for that side. And I'm like, mm. ooh, we could just pay to be on Morning Live. And, 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 and we. <laughs> or we can build a space so that like mm. young kids like us have a space for a week to feel self-important and have their work seen. And have to put their work back in storage like we've had to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that, my whole thing is that I've always wanted happy bum baby spaces, mm. which is like spaces for kids in the transition mm. just to find themselves a space with sound, with, mm. with ICT, with a creative lawyer, mm. <laughs> and a rehearsal space. Yeah. They'll learn how to run it. They'll monetize it. They'll make industry out of it. But imagine if we had one in every hood. Mm. All of a sudden, all these projects have a home to like branch out from to the youth. And that's what's happening right now. Is like ageism is eating us. Mm. Mm. So we're not in kids' spaces. Mm. Kids aren't listening to the brother music. Don't lie to me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the few that are are weirdos like me. <laughs> But when you do expose them to the brother moves on, mm. they get it heavy. Mm. But those spaces don't exist to do that because this music is being taken into musicals. It's like the final capitalist mm. space in essence. Where yeah, I understand that 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 path, but that's not why this music is there. Yeah. This music's made for kids in Soweto, Tembisa, Katleho. Hey, it's me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what it's made for. Is the people who are apparently not being seen. This is purely made for them. Yeah. I remember the first time we went to Paris, we were like, oh, I don't even understand what we're saying. Yeah. Well, they Imagine. get it. And after every song, they clapped crazy because they understood the spirituality in it. And then we came home and realized, yeah, man, it's nice to go to Europe. That's even this tour now we're putting together. We're not sure how we'll end up, but it's to ensure that we touch home first. Because there's soon going to be a time when we can't, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, when management goes. 
play once in Africa. Happens. <laughs> That's what success is in this world. It's not playing your hometown. It's leaving to go play London. Now in the band, I'm dealing with younger brothers who, when I meet them at first, are holding on to that sense of masculinity and don't want to sing. <laughs> don't want to get into the tights. You know? <laughs> Tando, the amazing, um, um, uh, the amazing uh, wardrobe uh, genius from the market theatre, sure. walking past the shop, and she sees the gold tights, and she's like, you should wear those. Knowing that I'd take the charm, I'm like, oh, whatever, let's do it, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. And in a body, body positivity time, before like it was cool to be a big boy, I'm like, well, I feel weird about taking off this t-shirt thing, but like, sure. it feels freaking good to be naked and allowed to be naked on the stage. And that was the thing that pulled me to it the first time, is that the first time I played, I felt naked, but not in like a perversive like sure. way. It was very much like everything drama school had taught me about being on stage, where I wasn't thinking, I wasn't, I was just naturally just like throwing myself out there without mm -hmm. trying to be smart. Mm -hmm. And the guy started noticing that. And they were like, one of them was like, yo man, I think I can get into those tights, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were two of us. <laughs> then, but, but like, <laughs> a few years later, there were three of us. <laughs> then the whole band was like, yo man, this tight thing, man, it's dope. It's dope, it feels nice, man. It just feels nice, you know? And it's, it's, that's even played itself out in like um, toxic masculinity in the band, is that it's found, because we have a safe space as a group of males to relate to each other and to relay people's vile thoughts, yeah. there's been ways to bring the lowest common denominator closer to the highest common denominator in the game. And it's because there's a safe space to talk about it. Mm. I remember my cousin Zouash one day coming back, he's like, yo man, I just played this feminist show, man. You know, I, I don't understand, man. I don't get it, man. You know? And I said to him, yo, Zvash, you know how, like, there's white people and black people? He's like, yeah. Like, yeah, well, men, we're the white people of gender. And he was like, oh. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're the white people of gender. Yeah, we are. Wow. We're the white people of gender. That's the thing I'm like, you know, perspective is interesting in, like, how when you have, and it's Dyer who's heavy about this, mm. victimhood, uh, you know, like victimhood gives one the moral authority forever. Mm. That's a very dangerous thought process. Sure. But then there is no one who is the eternal victim, except mm. a black woman who's disabled, who can't see, who can't hear. Who can't. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do, I do. So it's sitting on the space where we have, we've, We've created this, these trope ideas of what the perpetrator mm. in South Africa looks like and what the victim looks like. Mm. And when you get stuck in these binaries and they don't themselves work in flux like they do in nature where they go mm. back and forth, then they're liars. Yeah. They don't sit in these constant spaces of, I'm a man, I'm a perp, <laughs> mm. Mm. but I'm a black person. Mm. Mm. <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? And you can never completely. weigh the two up against each other, the 400 years versus... It'll never work out that way, but and it's not to absolve perpetrators, mm. but it's to be like we need a sense of humbleness mm. to this idea of being victims and perps, which might bring us 
some sense of healing and change because we expect I expected Zwash to know that. Yeah. And that's unfair. On his journey. You know? I can yeah. I, it's and there's that we all do that in the spaces we think that there should be a norm. Yeah. Of what people should know. You don't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't tell a person why you wouldn't say that, why you would think otherwise. It actually enrages us when someone says something that wrong. Freedom After by the Nelson Mandela Foundation is produced by Showcast Media, an original score by Subusile Kaba and cover artwork by Paula Manelli. The Freedom After podcast is supported by the Old Mutual Foundation. My name is Nawo Mohopa. Thank you for listening.